Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. Thanks for joining me today. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of the Coach's Edge. And on this episode, Dave Boyce joins the show, Perrysburg High School. He's done a ton for the game of basketball, not only in Northwest Ohio, but the entire state of Ohio. He's a future Hall of Fame coach, over 600, yes, 600 career wins. And I had the chance to be on his staff for a couple of years, learned a ton as long as winning quite a few games and a league title while we were there. And on this episode, we really dig into two common talking points that we have at this point in the season. One, how can we pre best prepare for success this off season? How are we starting to build that out? And two, what are some of those end of season meetings looking like with our coaching staff and our players. And the cool thing about this episode is he shares these two areas. A lot of it goes hand in hand, which I think is really beneficial for the coaches, especially at this point in the season. And if you find it beneficial, be sure to go back and listen to an episode that we had with him in the past about building a successful year round program, a ton of great nuggets in there as well. Thank you to Coach Boyce for taking the time. Let's get to the show. Coach, before we get to the show, we wanted to let you know that CoachesEdge.coach is launching April 20th, and we'll open that up for about a week and a half. That's C-O-A-C-H-S-E-D-G-E.coach. We are excited to welcome coaches from around the country who are hungry, who are dedicated to continue to improve themselves, their team, their coaching staff, and their program. This isn't just a resource site, where, which we do upload every single month with videos, presentations. PDFs to help you improve. Uh, we've got put a tremendous focus on player development and program development, but we have access to culture and leadership exercises, strength and conditioning programs, strategy, X's and O's, different types of sets and plays that you can start to integrate with your team. But even more than that, it's a community of coaches that are dedicated to keep getting better. And that's one of my favorite things about the Coaches Edge membership is the Zoom meetings that are optional for coaches to jump in, and we talk about specific areas that can help us all improve as coaches, whether that's practice planning, whether that's late game situations, whether that's handling playing time, the list goes on and on and on. And the Coach's Edge membership has been huge personally for me as I continue to become a better coach as well. If you have questions about it, please let me know. Contact at KramerBasketball.com or at Coach's Edge one on Twitter. Let's get to the show. And we are live. I'd like to welcome Dave Boyce to the Coach's Edge podcast. Coach Boyce, thanks for taking the time to be back. You're one of the few uh, returners to the Coach's Edge podcast. <laughs> well, it's uh, certainly a prestigious place to be. And <laughs> I appreciate the invite. Oh, man. So thanks, thanks for taking the time. And five years ago, I was on staff with you for, for a couple of years. And sometimes when I say five years, it seems like man, it seems like it was 15 years ago. And then other times when I say five years, it seems like, man, was it really that that long ago? Um, but conversing with a few of the other coaches I get a chance to work with and talking with them about that evaluation process, some of those exit meetings and what goes into helping prepare your players to get a vision for what they need to continue to work on and develop in throughout the course of the off season. And one of the first people that came to my mind was you, which is why I Wanted to have you come back on the on the podcast. So uh, before we get into that, just real quick, especially for those that haven't listened to your previous episode, which is a while back now, if you could introduce yourself to to our listeners. 
Sure. Um, I'm the head basketball coach at Perrysburg High School. Um, this is just completing my 22nd year here. Um, before that, I was head coach in Columbus for 14 years, Columbus, Ohio, and uh, started out in a very small town in Northwest Ohio called Northwood. Um, was head coach for three years there and started out my career as a freshman coach there for two years. That would be 1980. So been doing it quite a while, um, getting close to 600 wins. Um, won the Paul Walker Award in 2019 in Ohio, which is the, the, the most prestigious award there is in Ohio. as a state coach of the year, 2010. Um, the winningest coach in the history of our league, um, both in terms of wins and championships. Um, so, you know, it, it, it's been a long career. I mean, I don't think you, um, you know, some of those things are just amassing things by, by longevity. Um, so as much as anything, I said, I think it says that I've, I've built a program in a way that you can amass longevity. Hmm. And, and one of the things we've tried to do is, is build a program wherever I've been and, and not just build a winning team for a year, but, but put a solid base underneath it, um, and, and build from the, the lowest levels up and, and have structure that can keep itself perpetuating. And I'm glad you mentioned that some of the accomplishments and the accolades, because I mean, we wouldn't have you on here if you weren't really good at, at what you do. Um, and so I, you know, I consider when certain things come into my mind that, that I'm like, yeah, I think, I think Coach Boyce would have a, an opinion on that. And I'll shoot you a text or email or something like that. And, and this is one of those, those topics. And you talked about the difference between building a successful team and a successful program. One of those is having an evaluation process and things that come into play so you can get started on what that team's going to look like, you know, for the next year moving forward. So as you finish your season with a varsity team, you guys had another great uh, successful season this year. What are some of the things that first come to mind as you're preparing for the next year and how you're going to have those conversations with the returning athletes on your squad? You know, I think we start talking about some of this stuff probably in, in mid January Early February, early February, we start talking about, you know, who's going to slot into what positions in the next year and, and who might. And then we might even have the, the JV coach or the freshman coach start playing kids in different positions towards the end of the year. So, so I can get a look at that, how that might work out. Um, but in the end, the, um, the evaluation is sort of a combination of statistics, just pure observations from my entire coaching staff and then what our need for the next year is and how they fit into that need. So I think that's a great nugget for coaches who are listening and thinking about their own evaluation processes. You're taking some of the things that you know, what are some of the stats that, that we have, you know, the eye test observations from yourself, other staff, other coaches, JV coaches for the players coming up to varsity next season, and then having a really good understanding. Okay, what do we already have coming back from our guys that were varsity players? What are the needs? What's the fit? And that helps us create a, a blueprint for you know, how we're creating some of these you know, evals that you might call, call them as you start to have these meetings with your players. So what is that process like? I mean, when your season has finished up, 
how long do you wait until you meet with your players? You know, what are some of those other conversations you might have with your coaching staff? And then you know, are, are these super detailed meetings? Are they just kind of going over a few key pieces? What do those look like? Sure. Um, the freshman and JV seasons end uh, before ours, because we go into the tournament. And in Ohio, there's not a tournament for the freshman and the JV. So they play their 22 games and they're done. So part of their job is as soon as the season's over, to compile a spreadsheet for me of um, strengths, weaknesses, uh, prospect for next year and beyond, and then another column that we call intangibles, which you know has a little bit to do with um, you know if they're a leader, if they're a cancer, uh, how involved they are in other sports, how um, how good their grades are, all that kind of stuff. Um, so the the freshman JV coach compiled that then as soon as um and then along with it they, they compiled their statistics for the year um the varsity statistics are pretty involved and we keep them very up to date throughout the year so that's just a matter of finishing them up and then my varsity assistants and I usually in the last couple of weeks have have had the conversations but I'll still send them out one more email of some general thoughts I'm thinking and then once all that's done um, let's say that we end roughly the first week of March and we try to have our banquet 10 days later. And then typically our spring break starts a week after that, somewhere in that time frame, give or take a few days. And I want to make sure that I've got every kid's valuation done before we go to spring break. And, and, and that's what it was this year too. And sometimes it comes down to me running uh, 13, 14 kids through my office in the last two days before break, but that's usually the bottom freshmen and the bottom sophomores. Um, I try and get the returning varsity players first, so it's freshener mine, uh, and then the, the guys that were on the tournament team that weren't really playing varsity, so they would really be the top JVs, and then the top freshmen, and then we go sort of to the bottom JVs and the bottom freshmen. The the meeting itself um, is a combination of two or three things. First thing we do is we um, we go over the, the schedule for the upcoming off season, the spring, the summer, and the fall, just to make sure everybody's on the same page. Um, we talk about just their availability at that point. If they're playing a spring sport, uh, if they're playing in an AAU program, if so, what for, or what team for? Um, and then based on that and their evaluation's already done, I've already got my copy and their copy ready. Then I hand them their copy and then we go through the evaluation. Um, and, and the evaluation for each kid it, um, is gonna be a little different. The returning varsity kids who whether I'm going to cut them or keep them or whatever, I think they deserve after two to three years in the program, a, a pretty detailed explanation, not, not just what I write, because sometimes I, I rip through what I write in, in five minutes. And, and then I say, okay, now let's talk. And then we sit back and we go over what all that means with the freshman and the JV. Um, you know, it can be quicker. Uh, it can be, um, five minutes with a two minute conversation after that. 
So it's not long. They're not in there for a half hour. Uh, they're probably, the varsity guys are in there for about 15 minutes and the freshman and JV is closer to 10. Um, they keep their copy. And one of the things that I make sure they do is um, they take it home, they show it to their parents. And, and I let every parent know that the evaluations have been done and that if their son hasn't showed it to you yet, that they should ask for it. Because I want every parent to, to see what I've written down and, and they're hearing from their son exactly what I've told their son. I always thought that was one of your big strengths as well as a coach was the consistent communication uh, with parents right there. I mean, it, it really takes out a lot of the guesswork. So I think when, when there's a lack of communication, especially from a parent side, even having a couple of kids now, it's easy for it to go to the negative if there's no communication at all, even if it's not negative, but just kind of the way the mind works. So the fact that you can keep that line of communication open throughout the year is huge with your players that you're seeing coming up for the varsity or maybe they're returning varsity basketball players you give them that handout you know without getting too detailed but what are some of those key things that you, you put on that handout that you want the players and their parents to know sure the, the top of the handout is their uh, statistics for the year and it we have a banquet program that we do it's really nice it's bound and it's 20 pages and it, it's mostly statistics and and awards and things like that. But there's a lot of stats in there already for them to see. But in the on the evaluation, I, I sort of summarize it into the main things. And, and I think probably the most important things that we look at are shooting percentages, assisted turnover ratio, and then a thing that we call hustle points per possession, uh, or I'm sorry, hustle points per minute. <clears throat> so we go through all that, um, which to the player is no surprise because it's been on the wall all year. The only thing they haven't seen maybe is the final game added in. And then I go through what I think their strengths are. Um, and then I go through what I think they need to work on to add to their game or to shore up their game. And I think there, I think there's two parts to it. Um, some parts you want to take your game to the next level. Some parts you want to, you, you've got to close this gap or you're probably at the end of the road. And then I give them a, a paragraph, sometimes a little more of um, their outlook for the next season. So this year we called it the 22-23 outlook. And in that outlook, I, I, I always start positive that, you know, you know, it was good to have them in the program. They worked hard. And of course, if they had a really good season, I say that. And then I, the second sentence is always something that says where I see them next year. And it's always a range. Um, for the best player on the team, it, it might be something where I'm telling them that, you know, I think you should be striving to be player of the year in the district, or you might be striving to be, um, you know, uh, all state or whatever it is. I really talk about points. Um, I'm certainly talking about being the leader of the team. Um, and for that person, it, it, it could be such that I say that, you know, the low end of their range might just be that they're as good as they were this year. Um, but those guys are much more personal conversations. I mean, they know me by then. I know them. They've been through this season, maybe two seasons already together. And then um, some of the incoming varsity players, now we're starting to talk about where I really see them fitting in next year. You know, do they have a chance to compete for a starting spot? Do they have a chance to compete to be in the what we call the rotation, just that top seven, eight guys? 
or if they're a junior, are they looking at potentially on the low end, splitting JV time? And then for a senior, potentially, are they looking at being cut? Um, and then for the sophomores who were probably, they weren't with the tournament team, now we're talking to them about probably best case scenario, getting a uniform. Second case will be playing JV as a junior. And third case will be getting cut. And each each guy there, that's a little different how, how, how it looks for them. And then the same thing with the freshmen. The better freshmen, we pretty much tell them they're going to be on the JV. This is what you need to prepare yourself for the next two years. These are the things. For the bottom freshmen, we tell them they're going to be competing because whereas we might keep 12 to 15 freshmen, we're only going to keep about 10 JV players. And now they're competing, not just with freshmen, but they might be having some juniors coming down and there could be an incoming freshman coming up. So the JV years were sort of the, um, you know, the field starts to whittle down. So we try and give them all a really good um, picture of where they stand. And the most important thing I say to every kid is that this evaluation is for a single date and time today. And yeah, today, I like that. Today might have been, you know, March 14th, 2022. And I always mm -hmm. say that we start on November 1, give or take. So I always say November 1. And then I usually stand up and go to the calendar in my office and I show them how far that is from today. And I, and I tell them, you got a long time to get better. But based on where you're at, if you just do what everyone else does, everyone's going to get better and you're going to be in the same boat. If you want to, if you want to jump over some people, if you want to improve your place in the program, you got to do everything we're going to do, plus do more. And you've got eight months to start doing it from right now, because now you know what you've got to do. No, I love that. And actually showing them the calendar, I think is huge. That, that visual aid is, uh, is, you know, I think we overestimate what we can do in a day. I don't know what the saying is. We overestimate what we can do in the day. We underestimate what we can do in a year, something like that. Right. And so be able to right. see that and say, man, yeah, I, if I just chip away at this, I can make some serious gains and improvements, uh, which is, you know, what we all want as, as players and as coaches. As you're, I mean, you've, you've decades now of having some of these meetings with players. Is there a certain question or a certain conversation that consistently comes up uh, especially with your varsity guys or um no I, I would say not and i think that's the whole purpose of the conversation is it, it sets the tone right then and there that this is where it's at there is there is no real questioning process the questioning process is where will it be november 1st if you want it to be better that you've got eight months to do it. Mm -hmm. If if you disagree, that that's fine. I mean, in the end, I'm calling the shots, but you've got eight months to change my mind because in the end, I'm going to play the best players. I'm going to, you know, our offense is going to be geared for our best players. And if you're not that guy now, that doesn't mean that you're not that guy on November 1st. As you have the end of the season and this end of the season meeting at the same time, you're starting something brand new. You're already showing them somewhat of a blueprint and a timeline for what this next season 
is going to, to look like. What are those things that you're bringing up with those players as you're having this end of season meeting and saying, hey, here, here are the things that we need from you. Here are the things we have going on in the spring and the summer to make sure that we're all on the same page moving forward. Yeah, and, and we have a meeting the week after we get beat in the tournament when the season ends where we turn the uniforms in and we let the seniors turn them in on their own. But we have the returning varsity team come in as a group. We turn our uniforms in and somebody checks them in. And, you know, I give a more of a broad perspective. And one of the things I do there is I talk about, once again, at that day and time, what we see is the needs for the coming team. Like for instance, this particular year, um, we thought our, our seniors were just absolute rocks. Um, really, really mature kids. Um, athletic, competitive, not crazy talented, but, but talented. They're gone, the returning group, there's some, we have some freakish athletes, but I don't know if we have the maturity. And, and you know, I told, this group that I thought, you know, we we went a long way this year because of our shot selection. And we went a long way this year because of our discipline on defense and our discipline finishing games. And some of the guys in this room right now are going to have to get better at that if you're going to be on the court next year. Because when push came to shove this year at the moment of truth, you were on the bench. And that's part of the reason why. So that's one of the things that everyone is really going to have to concentrate on is understanding that, that the team is more important than the, than the individual. We've got a couple coming in who are, um, you know, they're almost like young colts. You know, they're horses flopping all over the place, but they're going to grow and they're going to be very athletic. And if they can, if we can harness them, we're going to be maybe better next year. I love the fact that you mentioned shot selection and discipline. I mean, I think that there's, if, if you went into a high school game or a high school practice, there's so much you can learn from the individual players and the coach and the program itself based on those two things. What are the type of shots that these kids take? Are they taking really ridiculous, terrible off balance shots and there seem to be no you know, repercussions or are they playing with discipline? Are they playing hard on both ends? Are they looking for the shot that's the we shot instead of the me shot throughout the course of the game? I think that says a lot about the, the type of players and, and coaches uh, that are on any team and any, any program. Those are huge. Yeah, I, you know, I think, you know, one of the things you do is, as a defensive game plan is you try to figure out which guys on the other team you can bait into taking bad shots. Yeah. And we turn it around on our guys and say, hey, we're not the only people who thought of that. Mm. The other coach is doing the same thing, and they're trying to get you to take the bad shot because they know you're the one who's going to do it. So we try, we try and get that thinking to go both ways. Yeah, you see, I mean, you got the defensively, you got the kid who's playing and, and the player on offense who's taking these shots. And it's like, well, I'm open. It's like, well, yeah, there's a reason you're open because they want you to shoot it. And then you have the other kid who is aggressive enough and may not have the IQ. So they're going to get 10 or 15 shots, no matter what that coach knows 
well, we can actually make those 10 or 15 shots pretty poor shots. They're going to get them up either way. And we're just going to pressure them, force them to the left, whatever that direction might be. And they don't have the understanding of this is actually what the opponent wants them to do. And that's just good, good coaching and hard playing right yeah, there. Like, I mean, this particular year, I mean, our, our best player who's going to play in the Ohio all-star game and he's going to all states not out yet, but he's going to be somewhere in second, third team, something like that. And, um, in one of our tournament games this year, he had 13 assists and no turnovers. Mm. Best player, one of the best players in Northwest Ohio, and I think he scored eight points. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that's just the way he was. He understood the game, and he understood the most important shot every time down the court was the best shot. Absolutely. Love, love that. And when that's, your, when that's your best player who's willing to do those things, that's a good sign uh, with the trickle-down effect of everybody else. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask you was, I mean, you're having these individual meetings, you're, you're the, you're the head coach, but there's a lot of information and conversations being had with your coaching staff. Is there a end of season or end of season meetings that you're really trying to have in two different areas, one with the coaches regarding the players and one with the coaches regarding the coaches themselves and what they need to try to do to make sure we're on the same page moving forward into the offseason. <clears throat> the meet the, the talk about the returning players really happens in that last couple of weeks. There's no one meeting because we're we're so focused on every game. Um, we're in that um, time now where we just had our banquet. We just finished up the evaluations. We're on spring break. Uh, we have a 30 day dead period, so our open gyms can't start till April 4th. We will have that meeting somewhere in that week before then, where we say, you know, we get a break from each other, everybody gets a break from each other. And, and then we come back together and we say, okay. And I try not to, you know, take it too far. I'm like, um, next is the spring. And let's just talk about the spring, April, May. We're gonna have open gyms Monday, Wednesday. We, we have an, uh, most of our kids are in AAU teams that playing our place on Tuesday and Thursday nights and I'm there and you know what are we going to do to work on each guy we don't do a single team thing uh, until the first day of June so let's just concentrate on these two weeks and what is each guy's part in that going to be you know before open gyms do I want this guy to work with that kid every day when we're in the weight room do I want this coach to be sure and be working with this guy every guy every day make sure he's pushing himself you know we try and really focus our open gyms so that the kids are working on improvement um you know we'll go whole games where i'll tell kids you can do nothing but take this shot not not all but one kid i might say you can only take this shot another kid we might say you you can only go left so we're trying to take that evaluation that we gave them and now bring it to life in, in the open gyms. The, the AAU games and things like that can be a little tougher because they're playing within a team. But I'll, after games or games I see at least, I'll talk to them and I'll say, hey, I, I thought this was good and you're getting there or you got to keep working on this. So we're trying to, in two months, get two months better. Well, I like the fact that you're, you're staying connected with the kids, you know, you're at a larger school than, than most So maybe some coaches listening, you don't have as many kids playing AAU as you do, but the ones that do, you're staying connected, 
right? You're having some of those conversations and continuing that conversation of, hey, remember we talked about this in our end of season meeting, we're trying to work towards improving, you know, your catch and shoot, whatever, you're gonna be in the corner a lot, whatever that might be, continue to focus on that. I think that's huge, you're reinforcing that, some of those comments, um, these guys can try to apply some of those skills when they're in an open gym. Uh, do you give your uh, coaching staff any other responsibilities as far as, um, you know, you mentioned some of these specific conversations that you're having with players. I remember a few conversations you had with me where you kind of singled out a couple specific players and said, hey, like, I really want you talking with with this guy before practice or help this, this guy out with, you know, some of his shootings. We need to make sure that he's, you know, really working towards, you know, being a perimeter scorer next year. What do those conversations look like? You know, I think that's something that we, that I watched the relationships throughout the year develop. And, um, and, and then as we give the evaluations and, you know, it, I think it's reality for all of us that um, even our assistant coaches, this isn't their whole life. So, you know, I, I'm being in the gym in the spring more than my assistant coaches are. And one of my guys coaches baseball. We're not going to see him at all. Another guy coaches uh, track. We're not going to see him. Another guy works outside of the school system. He'll get in once or twice a week. Uh, another one of my guys is a financial guy. I'll get him once or twice a week. So I got to sort of get that whole schedule in my head first. And then we start talking about, okay, when you're here, why don't you work on, on this guy or that guy? Um, and sometimes it's not even so much technique or, or repetition. It's just, you know, you're the, we had, one of our coaches this year was, our, our big kid was named Luke Mangus, and we called him the Luke Whisperer because he did nothing but at every time out, every end of quarter, every break, he just pulled him aside. And I don't know what he said to him, but they just had a, uh, a relationship and he gave that kid confidence. So that's, and I think that's one of the things you did really well for us um, was, you know, you connected with certain kids and in, in, in right where they needed it. And I think that is so important that that develops then, then on in December and January and February on game night, that's when it pays off. Well, I love that because you're not only helping the player, you're helping your coaches as well, right? You're giving your coaches something to think about, something to work on. And you're also giving them an opportunity to improve their communication skills, their coaching skills, right? They're not going to talk and just say random things, right? There has to be a purpose to it. And so you're giving them those opportunities to continue to develop as coaches. And so it's really benefiting both sides of things. And that way you don't have to micromanage anything either, right? You got your trust in your coaching staff, and right? you give them kind of some ideas of what they might think about and do, and then you, you let them go and do their thing. And, and really, I think that's one of the things that has, one of the many things that has made you successful over the years is surround yourself with a really good staff. I mean, I think we probably do a full podcast on, on that. And I remember, I still remember randomly working out uh, Griff Sattler one day and you coming in the gym being like, Hey, like, what's, what's up? You want to, you know, uh, be a little more, more involved and, um, you know, just trying to figure out how you can put people in a position to do, do what they do well, um, is, is a sign of a really good head coach in, in my opinion. 
I think the two most important things you need to have on your staff um, are a very consistent coach somewhere in the younger ages, whether it's sixth grade, eighth grade, freshman, one of those intermediate years where that person has been around for 25 years and they think exactly like you do and they put certain rock foundations of your program in and they can talk to me about what's coming up in a way that we're on the same wavelength. And I think the second most important thing, and, and this is obviously where you came in for us, what is, is a really good shooting coach. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think shooting for, for everything we do, and even the X's and O's and, and even the Jimmy's and the Joe's, um, in the end, it comes down to shooting mm -hmm. and, and being able to put that ball in the hole and, and you know, it, we can say the other team put the ball in the hole also, but at least we can, as you alluded to earlier, we can find hopefully ways to make them take shots that they don't make well. Mm -hmm. And our, my job as coach is to put the ball in the hands of kids where they can make shots and to put it in the hands of those kids in those places as many times as possible, even right. though the team's not doesn't want me to do that. And the more that we, in our evaluation and our progression, our shooting coaches can give more and more bullets in the gun of every one of our kids, the harder we are to guard. And that's really what it comes down to. I mean, we know, and we hear coaches say it all the time that, you know, when, when, you know, when they're going to a, you know, a alley fight and all they have are, you know, pebbles and other people are throwing rocks they're probably going to lose and we know when we're going into games we just don't have as good of players right yeah you don't want to take a knife to to a gunfight that's for sure and, and it's funny we ran a shooting clinic uh last week and i actually used uh my two years of coaching with you guys as an example i said you know we really tried to reinforce shooting, especially that gap in between those two seasons. I said, man, we graduated the player of the year my first year at Perrysburg. And he took a lot of our shots. He was, you know, all, all league, all area MVP of the league. And the next season, we had a better field goal percentage. We had a better three-point percentage. And we talked a little bit about how the free throws were down. And then we made some tweaks and improved our free throw shooting as the season went on. Um, but I don't know, it was, it was just that process of saying there's not in basketball there are certain things that are much more out of our control but things that we can control as you mentioned shot selection and the discipline that we play with we have some control over that and then be able to give kids the, the best opportunity to do what they need to do well and shooting the basketball is one of those things you can become a, a better shooter right you just you have put in a lot of time repetition some of the techniques and tweaks that it takes to do that and it it can be done as we finish out the podcast coach and this kind of different line uh, from the rest of our episode, but you talked a little bit about your spring advice to coaches. What are one or two things that they should be thinking about when you hit summer basketball? Well, I think the summer is a time to you're putting your team in Ohio. We have 10 days we can coach. So we use two, three-hour practices, and then we go to eight days of competition. Typically, we go to one-day shootouts. So um, 
places where you're going to get three, four, five games in one day. And we pretty much go from June 1 to maybe the first week of July, if not June 30th. And, and then 4th of July hits, and then sort of the kids going to fall sports, or you got to give kids time to go on vacation. And then we come back and do some stuff July and August. But in, in that June period, those 10 days, when we get 25, 30 games in, we're trying to put in the basics of our system. We're trying to get some ideas of what kids can do in different spots and different rotations. And, um, and then we'll come in in between and we'll just tweak things a little bit. So we want to come out of the summer as much as April and May, we want to get two months better. We want to really in June as a team now get a month better. Really, we try and tell our kids every year that we've got a head start on everybody else because of the summer we had. Uh, we try and take our kids all over the place. We try and play different kinds of competition, uh, different parts of the state. Uh, we go to Indiana, we'll go to Michigan, we'll go any place to take our team. I want to show our kids that no matter what they read about, we're as good as anybody. We may not win, but they'll be surprised once our five guys get on the court with their five guys, they're really not usually much better. Um, and I think you're also setting a tone and you're developing chemistry. And I think a lot of that happens, you know, in between those games. You know, you play it, let's say you play it 10, 12, 2, and 4 at a shootout. That time from 11 o'clock after that first game to 11.45 before you start warming up for the second game, you know, I think, I think you know, that time those kids hang around in, on um, chairs and lobbies and, and in, you know, high jump pits and things like that. I think that's when they're developing rapport and that's when, you know, you got a chance to go over and get to know them. And, and I, you know, I think you want to come out of the June really feeling like a team because at this point going in, it's a little bit of the wild West, you know, Hey, those seniors are gone. It's my turn. And we got guys coming in who think they're going to beat them guys out. So we've got three months now. April and May to, to get individually better. And then June to, to really try and come out of June feeling good about ourselves going forward and, and knowing that they got a little time off and then it's time to really hit the ground running in September. I like that setting the tone and let's get, a, let's get one month better. And it's true. I think that you can gain a big time advantage over the competition when you use your month of June effectively. And uh, you guys are a good example of that as well. Uh, Coach Boyce, thanks for being on the Coach's Edge podcast. Again, um, talk hoop all day on a bunch of different different subjects. Love uh, your passion for the game, your experience for the game, and just keep continuing to do it at a high level. Uh, so thanks for taking the time to all of our coaches. Thanks for taking the time to listen. And uh, as always, get after today.